Hey, good morning, Lifehouse family. Hey, we're on day 10 of our 30-day Bible reading challenge. We're one-third of the way there. I just want to encourage you, keep on going. If you have missed days, don't worry about it. Keep on going strong. Uh, I'm proud of you and just so excited that you are diving into the Word of God for yourself. I believe one of the greatest things that I can do as a pastor is to help you discover truth, to help you discover God in Scripture. Sermons are great. Bible studies are great. Life groups are great. But when you learn to open God's word and find gold in it for yourself, I'm telling you, nothing will change your life more than that, than you being equipped and you being enabled to dig into God's word and and hear the Holy Spirit speak to you through this book. And man, we are in a great chapter today, Genesis chapter three. And I literally cannot tell you how important this chapter is. Oh my Lord. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting a little excited here. But look, the bottom line is this, Genesis 3, you got Genesis 1, okay, um, where God creates the world, it's all good, Uh, it's beautiful, it's a perfect world. In Genesis 2, he creates people, Adam and Eve, and they're in this perfect unity, they get married, and God oversees the first wedding, and it is just a beautiful sight, them dwelling together in perfect unity in a garden. God says, eat whatever you want, go for it. It's all yours, but this one tree, stay away from that one tree. It is mine. Now, a couple things about Genesis, okay? As you are reading Genesis, you've got to know this. Genesis is not a science book. It is an account of history, right? It's not supposed to, uh, you know, tell us scientifically how the world came into be. It's very general, right? Um, But also, too, Genesis doesn't just happen. I I say it all the time. It happens, Genesis is a book that doesn't just happen, it happens, meaning we find ourselves in this story, okay? And that that is where we find ourselves in Genesis 3. And, you know, the Bible and what I've said with this series is the Bible is so important because it communicates to us four important things that every person wants to, to know, and that is where we came from, why we're on this planet, what is right and wrong, and where we're going. And it is so important to know where we came from And so as we know, as we read Genesis, we say we're not just some uh, people aren't just the the effects of cosmic of a cosmic explosion that in the spans of billions of years evolved. And we're just purposeless on this planet. No reason. We just over the spans of billions of years appeared here. We can see that there was a God that had us in mind that created us. Okay, Um, but also, too, it shows us what is right and wrong. And what we're going to actually see see here in this scripture is God defines what is right and wrong. And what is right is what God says. And what is wrong is what we think. Okay, but then also too, why we're on this planet and where we're going. But mainly with Genesis three here, we're going to mainly hit on what is right and wrong. And what we see in Genesis three is this exact thing. And I'm going to try my best to not take too much time, but to really hit the main points in Genesis 3. All right, so Genesis 3, we've got a lot to cover here in a short amount of time. So I want to summarize Genesis chapter 3 in five words. Ready? Lies, hiding, blaming, consequences, and promise. Lies, hiding, blaming, consequences, and promise. Let's dive in. Okay, lies. We can see here the first part of of Genesis 3. Satan comes on the scene. Do you realize that Satan did not come on the scene until Adam and Eve were married? Why? Satan hates unity. He hates people being in one accord, one mind, following God. And that's what we see here, right? We see Satan come on the scene and he tries to tell Adam and Eve three lies. He tells them this. He says, or or he, he, he tries to get them to believe three different lies. First off, did God really say? 
right? He tries to get them to question what God's word is. And we see this in our culture prevalent, right? These you know, Christian truths and beliefs that have been held for thousands of years. People are like, well, is that what God really said? I mean, what's the Greek and Hebrew really say? What's the cultural element, right? It's, I mean, did God really say? But secondly, Satan flat out lied. He said, you will not certainly die. When God said, if if you eat from that, it's, it's not going to be good for you, right? God was clear in what he said, but Satan will lie to you. But then thirdly, Satan Satan said this, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Essentially what Satan was saying here is like, hey, look, God's holding something back from you, man. Like just eat from that tree, get it, good, it's, it's good. When you see, you'll see, you'll see it was worth it. You know, and y'all, these are the same lies and the same deceptions that the devil uses now. So you, we have to be alert and aware as Christians to know if we're tempted to do something, are we giving in to these same lies and to these same deceptions that the devil used then? Because he's not slick, y'all. He The same lies he tells then, he tells now. All right, but then you see, unfortunately, Adam and Eve give in. They, dis, they disobey God. And from that point on, we can see here, hiding, blaming, and consequences are a byproduct of when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And they're the same consequences and, and it's the same reality for us today and when you look at the brokenness and hurt and pain within our world we can see it encapsulated here in genesis 3 and that's why it's so important you got to know we live in a genesis 3 world where there is pain and brokenness and hurt and we can see it so clearly and so evident within our world and we've got to know there's a reason there's a cause it's not just because systems are bad it's it's, it's the root cause is sin y'all the root cause of sin, and we can see this. So here's the thing, Adam and Eve, they dis, they disobey God, and what do they do? They go into hiding, right? What it says here um, in verse number eight, and we're gonna read till probably verse 10, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You see what that sin did? It caused him to hide. It caused him to have shame and he hid. Right? This is what we do, right? Whenever we get in situations and circumstances where we fail big time from God, many of us run from the church, run from accountability, run run from those things when when it's like you know, it's it is the natural byproduct, right? Of of when we sin against God. Uh, but then you see here there was hiding, but then there was blaming. Right, you got the guy, right, man Adam. He's saying, "It was the woman you put here with me. She gave me some of the fruit of the tree, right?" And then the woman said, "No, it was the serpent." And then, I mean, you know, and then, and then Adam says, "It was the woman you put here." I mean, it's just like this big blame game. And this is what happened. And this true. This is what happens whenever there's there's wrongdoing. People either hide or they start blaming. Well, it was it was. I mean, I mean have have you ever had kids? This is the exact way the kids act. My three boys act the same way. I'm like, y'all are little Adam and Eve's. Oh my God, like we, you know what I'm saying? But here, here's the thing, this stuff is not new, y'all. But we've got to recognize it and see it so we can be self-aware about it so we can see our need for the gospel and for Jesus Christ. But then too, you see the consequences dished out here of their behavior. And you can actually read it in verse number 14 through verse number 19 and and i'll let you read those for yourself but you can see you know just kind of like 
you know, women, you're going to have pain in childbirth. And then it says, you know, in verse number 16, it says your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. He will rule over you, essentially saying your your lust will be for the approval of man, right? But then you see the guys, the contact man's like, dude, your, your life's going to be hard. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to... You know, it says that the ground is cursed. You know, in verse number 18, it says, It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until the re until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For the for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And there's this, like, thing of, like, man, like, it's going to be hard to make a living. And I think any guy out there would would approve of that message, you know? And... But the thing is, it's consequences, right? So, but the great thing, right, with all of, of this lies, hiding, blaming consequences is in here, there's a promise. And I've preached about this in the last part of the um, four truths the devil doesn't want you to know about love and relationships, which you can go and check out on the podcast. I preached it uh, the last Sunday in February. There's a promise hidden in Genesis 3, and it's in Genesis 3.15. And this is what it says. It says, and this is when God was talking uh, to Satan. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And what this is called in theological terms is proto-evangelion, which is called the first mentioning of the good news of Jesus Christ, where God here was proclaiming a promise to Satan saying, look, eventually the offspring of the woman is going to crush your head. And what God was saying here is like, look, yes, there's consequences, there's hiding, there's blaming, there's brokenness, but eventually there is going to be a savior coming and that's going to crush you, Satan. And just think thousands of years ago, God had a plan. He had a purpose. He already had a plan of salvation, a plan to deal with the sin that ravaged and has ravaged the world. And so what I want you to know is that even in your life, because this book doesn't just happen it happens is not their story it's our story is even in the midst of your pain your consequence your hiding your brokenness i believe there is a promise that god wants to remind you of today and that is that it's not over god has a plan he's got a purpose to save you to heal you and restore you but our job is to hold on and believe and walk in faith and walk in trust and know that if god said it we believe it if God said it, we're going to trust it. If God said it, we're going to be patient with it. If God said it, we're going to walk it out. You know, and what we actually finally saw in when Jesus Christ came, he dealt with the sin problem. When Jesus died on the cross and it said, and when he said, it is finished, he was saying a debt has been paid. Your sin debt has been paid and dealt with for your past, present, and future sins. And now we can be made right in relationship with each other, with God, and with each other vertically and horizontally. We can be made right with God through Jesus Christ. So that's what I want you to walk away with today from Genesis 3. The hopelessness, the brokenness, the pain, the carnage, we see it, it's evident, it's real. But there was also a promise that led to Jesus Christ that one day he would come, die for sin, and get this relationship right and this relationship right. And so what I want to encourage you with today and what I'm going to pray is that you would not be put your head in the sand to the brokenness and pain and the hurt in our world, but you would also know there's a hope his name is Jesus, and our job is to know him and to make him known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you, God, that, the, that your word describes accurately who we are, but also shares the hope in Jesus. 
pray, I pray that every person watching this, we wouldn't put our head in the sand and just say, oh, life is great, it's good. No, life is painful, it's hurtful, and we can see the carnage of it daily. But I pray that we would know that there's a promise, there's a hope, and his name is Jesus. And I pray that as we live in this world, as, as your word says, as foreigners, God, that we would hold on to that hope with everything we have. And as we hold on, we would point others to the hope in Jesus as well. Thank you for dying on the cross in our place and for our sin and rising again to defeat Satan, sin, and death. And God, we put our trust and faith in, in you. I pray for each person. Give them a great day today. Give them focus. Fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, Lifehouse fam. We'll see you tomorrow for day 11.